We're entering day two of our annual seven-round dual mock draft here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. Yesterday, I drafted Charles Cross, the tackle out of Mississippi State. Rob drafted Trevor Penning, the tackle out of Northern Iowa. Who are we going to pick on day two? We're going to be making four selections today on our latest episode. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host of Locked On Seahawks. Joining me as always, my host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We kicked off our annual seven-round dual mock threat yesterday. Rob and I kicking out our first-round picks. We both went with tackles, Charles Cross and Trevor Penning. What are we going to go with today? Well, it's going to be a busy one. We've got four selections, three second rounders and a third round pick that we are going to be making today. So plenty of debate, plenty of discussion as we now draw even closer to the real deal coming up next Thursday in Las Vegas. This episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com and locked on sports listeners get $50 off $500 spent. Use the code locked on at checkout. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. We've seen quite a bit of free agency news here over the last 24 hours. After several weeks where there really was no activity, the Seahawks bringing in two defenders today for free agent visits. We mentioned DeMonte Casey, the veteran safety, yesterday, but he was not the only veteran that went to the VMAC to explore the possibility of joining the Seahawks as defensive end Mario Addison was also at the facility today. And this is certainly a need for the Seahawks when you're looking from a depth perspective. They're excited about Daryl Taylor and Uchenna Nuosu as their two starters on the outside in a 3-4 scheme. But behind them, they have Alton Robinson, and that's about it. There's not much depth at the position. And Addison has been a very productive pass rusher for eight years running, 34 going on to 35 is still playing at a pretty high level. He absolutely is, Corbin. As you just said, I mean, eight seasons of five plus sacks. I mean, he had, you know, four or five seasons in Carolina where he was averaging nine sacks per year. I mean, very productive player. And we know the way that Pete Carroll has operated for a long time now is he wants to have those guys who are basically players or excuse me coaches on the field that's exactly what mario addison would be able to provide the seahawks as you mentioned a, a guy who has been incredibly productive he has a great deal of experience in four three as well as three four alignments he's six three 260 pounds um, he is a guy that that might be able to kind of provide that leadership that Seattle is looking to uh you know looking to have on the field um and, and then again to me what I like about him is that this is a guy who who is a player that has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he's an undrafted free agent. He's now been in the league for over a decade. He has bounced around the NFL, but regardless of where he has gone, he has been incredibly productive. So to me, th this is one of those kind of things that you, you start to kick the tires a little bit on some of these players because I think when Seattle initially made the trade of Russell Wilson, the Denver Broncos got that number nine overall selection. I thought that they... I think that they thought 
that they might be able to get themselves an elite pass rusher at number nine overall. And perhaps one of them are going is going to be there at that spot. But if not, and even if it is so, you still want to make sure that you have waves of pass rushers, not just your starters. And so Mario Addison at this point in his career can be that guy who might be able to come in and either play significant minutes, perhaps even in the starting role if necessary, but also even if he's kind of coaching from the sideline, being a guy that can kind of help out, I think that's exactly what he can be at this point in his career. This is the kind of player that gets Pete Carroll excited because, as you mentioned, came into the league undrafted out of Troy and bounced around with a couple of teams before he finally found a home in Carolina. And from 2016 to 2019, he had at least nine sacks in all four of those seasons. That was playing in both 4-3 and 3-4 defenses. So again, as you mentioned, the versatility aspect is extremely valuable for the Seahawks now that they're transitioning to more of a 3-4 look. And this is a guy that has rushed out wide in nine alignment. He is a guy that has pinned his ears back. Not the greatest athlete, but he is a technically refined rusher. He knows how to get after the quarterback. And so that experience, that savvy, is going to be really nice to bring in if they decide to sign him. Of course, that's going to boil down to price point. But this is a veteran that going back to 2015, if you just look away from the sack production, according to Pro Football Focus, He's had at least 35 quarterback pressures every single season going back to 2015. So he has been rock solid in terms of consistency. He's never been a pro bowler, never been an all pro selection, but he has been a very solid pass rusher for close to a decade. And he was a bit of a late bloomer. Again, he checks off a lot of the boxes Pete Carroll's looking for with that chip on his shoulder, never giving up and eventually carving out a role in Carolina where he became a starter and probably should have been a pro bowler a couple of times with the numbers that he was putting up. And so with him soon to be 35 in September, he is towards the end of his career, still playing well, didn't start in a game for the Bills last year, but he had seven sacks. So this is still a guy that knows how to get after the quarterback as a situational reserve. And he's going to potentially have that opportunity to do that in Seattle. I'm intrigued by the fit, but it has to be at the right price. And I would think $3 million, $3.5 million for base salary probably gets it done at this stage. I doubt there's going to be teams that are going to be throwing much more money at him just because of his age, even though he's still a very productive player. Yeah, and the fact that this is a player that, as we talked about, incredibly productive player, 158 career games that he's played in the NFL. At the same time, of those 158, only 58 of them did he actually start. And so this is kind of one of those guys as a situational pass rusher. But at the same time, you just mentioned the fact that he played a lot of his ball at Carolina and then here just most recently went to the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills invested their first round pick uh, a year ago in, in Gregory Rousseau and then uh, a round later wound up taking Carlos Boogie Basham out of Wake Forest. Two very early draft picks in edge rushers. And then you have that coach on the field here with Addison that's able to kind of help those players along. We talk about that all the time with quarterbacks as a guy who can kind of give a little bit of uh, a perspective on the sideline, talk to the young players and help them along. The same thing is the case with any other position, of course. We just don't talk about those because they're not the quarterbacks. They'll have all the eyes on there. Uh, 
I think that Mario Addison might be able to help a, a guy like Daryl Taylor, a guy like Alton Robinson, and certainly anybody that Seattle is able to draft this year. So again, to me, it is an interesting, uh, you know, at least a visit. Um, just because of the fact that the Addison does have that perspective is, as you mentioned, not the elite athlete, especially at this point in his career, but he is technically refined, does know that the tells, the offensive tackles, the quarterbacks might be providing those younger players and how they might be able to adjust and be able to create some some big positive plays. So to me, that that's one of the things that, that you're looking for at, at this point in, in the process. Obviously, everybody, as we talked about, is looking towards the NFL draft at this point. But if you're able to, to bring in a player who is going to be able to be that kind of coach on the field, then it makes a lot of sense for Seattle to be kind of trying to bring in some of those players. And I think, frankly, it's a little bit of a tell about the fact that Seattle thinks that they are going to be adding another pass rusher here and maybe a guy who has not had a lot of experience. Uh, Arnold Ebiketti, for example, a Boye Mafe, for example, or Jermaine Johnson, for example, guys who have not starred a lot of time uh, you know, at, at the, the collegiate level but have some traits. Uh, that you may want to develop, having a coach on the field might be exactly what you're looking for to be able to kind of un uh, to to release that that natural talent that a lot of these younger players may possess. I think if Seattle signs either one of these veterans before the draft, it wouldn't be a surprise because it's not going to stop you from going out and drafting a player. I would. And I would not suspect Seattle is going to draft a safety most likely anyway until late if they're looking for special teams players. So bringing in a player like DeMonte Casey, that's just going to fill your depth needs and he can compete for the slot corner position. And Addison, again, I mentioned you don't have very much depth behind Daryl Taylor and Achenna Nuosu. Having another player that can play in a 3-4 scheme as that overhang pass rusher and can get after the quarterback give you some quality reps each week. That's what Mario Addison can still do along with his leadership and tangibles, being able to help out the young guys to be able to play to their best on the field. And so it'd be nice to see one or two of these moves happen here before the draft gets here, but it could be one of those situations where they're making rounds. And then after the draft, once they see who they picked, they could re-explore the possibility of signing one or both players. We'll have to see what happens as you mentioned, it's all about the draft right now, though, and we are in the midst of our seven-round dual mock draft here on Locked on Seahawks. We got our first-round pick out of the way yesterday. We've got three second-round selections and a third-round selection today. We're going to restart the draft at pick number 40 here in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Blue Nile, with Mother's Day coming up right around the corner. Whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for your mom. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift that fits into every budget. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com, and Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off $500 spent. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. Use the code Locked On. That's the code Locked On. Every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. 
You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We got a special announcement here coming up next Thursday. We're one week away from the NFL Draft. Locked On NFL Draft's live coverage will kick off on Thursday. They've got three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders. For those of you dying to know who your team will take, Make sure to catch Odyssey and Locked On's NFL Mock Draft Special hosted by Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show all week leading up to the first pick. All right, time to get back to the festivities. The Seahawks back on the clock in our dual mock draft. Yesterday, we both went to the offensive line with our first round picks. Rob, I drafted Charles Cross, the tackle out of Mississippi State. You went with the small school prospect, Northern Iowa's Trevor Penning, so we both get a tackle. Now we're going to pick 40, and we're going to get three picks in an eight-pick span here. So this is going to be a rapid-fire, very busy second round for the Seahawks. On the clock at pick number 40, who is your selection? You got your tackle first. Who's next in line at pick number 40? Well, I, I'm going to identify that player in just a second, Corbin. But I, I want to make sure that all of our listeners, all of our viewers here understand exactly what we did. We we were doing a dual mock draft where we went with the, the draft network and, uh, you know, and, and doing a mock draft and watching the selections come off the board. Um, Seattle, of course, right now does not currently have three second round picks. But because we traded down from number nine overall, got an incredible deal on the draft networks uh you know uh mock draft projection um then we were able to move down a couple of spots be able to acquire a third second round selection and that's why we do have these extra picks here to kind of play with and, and that's why i kind of had some fun with this because I think that if you do address one of your biggest areas concern, something that Seattle has done in the past and addressing the offensive tackle early on before you go with the quarterback, then that's where you can start to get a little bit more creative, take full advantage of this year's depth at, at multiple And if a player like Matt Corral is still available at number 40 overall, considering the familiarity that Pete Carroll is likely to have with Monty Kiffin, Lane Kiffin at Old Miss, the the fact that you want to be able to just, you know, kind of create a little bit more interest for DK Metcalf, considering there's a couple other wide receivers out there in the NFL who are trying to, uh, you know, kind of push themselves out of their own franchises, then I, I think that it's important to try to do just about everything that you can to bring back DK Metcalf. So bring back a guy at Ole Miss as well. It's going to be a theme I'm going to be talking about here a little bit throughout today's segment. So Mackerel, to me, when you look at him, this is a dual threat quarterback. This is the guy that I think that makes an awful lot of sense for Seattle. Every time Peter Carroll talks about a guy who is a little bit of a point guard, to me, the, the very first quarterback in this draft class who I think of is Matt Corral. His, his quick release, his agility, his uh, leadership that he presents on and off the field in terms of just who he is, I think at this spot in the second round would make an awful lot of sense that that's the guy I put in here for the Seahawks at number 40 overall. Matt Corral, quarterback, Ole Miss. You get the Seahawks a quarterback. I'm getting somebody that can hunt the quarterback at pick number 40 because – you know, we we talked about Jermaine Johnson at pick number nine before we decided to move down a couple spots. He was picked after we traded down. 
Arnold Ebicady, to me, if he had one more year of solid work at Penn State like he did last year, is a surefire first-round pick. And he's had an interesting path to the NFL. This is a guy that's got good size, a little over 255 pounds, which is going to be reasonable playing that overhang linebacker position. He's athletic. He came from a soccer family that was from Cameroon and ended up playing receiver for most of his time in high school. It's just, just an interesting path because then he gets to Temple where he started his college football career, moved from linebacker up to defensive end, and then eventually ends up at Penn State, had a monster year last year for the Nittany Lions, an all-Big Ten talent, great burst off the edge. He's got better developed hand technique than you would think for a player who, quite frankly, has not played as much football as some of the other pass rushers in this class. A little bit older prospect because he did play all that time at Temple and then had one year at Penn State. But I think this is a guy that can come in right away. He's got the athleticism to be able to drop back occasionally into coverage. I think he can handle that. And he's also going to be able to pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. And so for pick number 40, I'm going to go with my man, Arnold Ebicady, who to me is one of the more underrated pass rushers, maybe has a chance to go in the late first round. We get to the real deal next week. Yeah, he absolutely does. I mean, I, I cannot uh, argue with you in, in terms of the fit for Seattle. He he has something that, that Seattle has always prioritized in terms of just that chip on his shoulder, uh, a guy who has kind of built himself into a superstar. That, that's one of the reasons why I made the argument for Trevor Penning with their first-round selection. I think that adding a pass rusher in this year's draft class is absolutely critical because the draft class is that rich at the position and obviously Seattle needs to add some bodies at that spot. We talked about that here in the first quarter, but again, if you're able to add a quarterback who has the talent that Matt Corral possesses, that's why I do think that it would be a priority for the Seahawks. If they can get a not just any quarterback, but if they can get a good one here at the top of the second round, then that makes an awful lot of sense. And so again, I'm going to be going with a pass rusher here a little bit later. You might be, we'll see, be going with a quarterback here a little bit later. I do think that it's interesting the way that our picks are kind of lining up with, with checking off a lot of the boxes that Seattle needs at this position or at this in this draft class in terms of edge rushers, in terms of tackles, in terms of quarterbacks. We're going to be selecting all of those types of players here over the next couple of rounds. You mentioned I might pick a quarterback. Well, we are still on the clock because Seattle has pick 40 and pick 41 back-to-back selections. And this is how I think this is really going to play out for the Seahawks when we get to the draft next week. I don't think they're going to be in a rush to draft a QB in the first round. Maybe they'll trade back into the end of the first round if the right prospect is there. But if this quarterback class is what so many draft experts have announced it to be and that it's not a great class I would not be surprised if only one or two of these QBs go early and you could have a couple of them fall into the second round and that's what happened on our mock you went with Matt Corral I decided not to pick the QB at 40 because like I've got back-to-back picks so I'm going to take Sam Howell out of North Carolina with pick number 41 and I've talked about him extensively on our podcast the last couple of months this is a kid that there are some question marks about his ability to throw receivers open at times. His accuracy can get away from him sometimes, but he has some of the qualities that Seattle absolutely wants in the quarterback position. He checks them off. He has got a cannon of an arm. He's got good touch on the deep ball. I feel like Pete Carroll is going to want a new quarterback coming in 
that has the ability to get the ball downfield. When you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and D. Eskridge, three burners that can get downfield and do damage, you need a quarterback that can get the ball to them. Sam Howell, that is one of his strengths, the ability to loft the ball downfield with touch, accuracy. He's a big play quarterback. He's also very athletic, an underrated athlete. And I've made this comparison. Some people on social media were laughing, but he reminds me of Josh Allen when he runs the football. He's not built quite the same way, not as tall, but he breaks a lot of tackles. This is a physical running quarterback. He's going to have to learn to get down a little bit more in the NFL and not absorb the hits he did last year, but almost 900 rushing yards for North Carolina, North Carolina last year. He really reinvented himself without his top receivers, with some new running backs, new offensive linemen. The talent around him was hit by the NFL draft, and so he altered his game to go with their scheme changing, and he was able to make it work, even though the team struggled to win games, didn't meet expectations. I think that if you look at the season as a whole and what he was dealing with with his supporting cast, it was pretty impressive. And I just think that mobility and that arm strength is going to make him an asset in Seattle's offense. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I cannot uh, you know, knock a selection of Sam Howell because I just love his heart. I mean, this is a competitor, and and I think that the Seahawks would be really intrigued by him. As you mentioned, he's an underrated athlete. He plays with physicality and want to, um, you know, the the 800 plus rushing yards. I think it was 13 rushing touchdowns. I mean, it's very comparable to the numbers that we saw from Malik Willis, and everybody touts Malik Willis's athletic ability. They tout uh, Matt Corral's athletic ability. Nobody talks about Sam Howell in that way, and. and so I think that that is one of the reasons why I believe that Sam Howell will absolutely be a consideration for Seattle if they decide not to take a quarterback uh, in the first round. I think that if you're when you first mentioned Sam, though, I thought that you might go with Sam Williams. And I, I talked about before, I, I think that Seattle might be intrigued by some of the talent coming out of Ole Miss. And again, that that Lane Kiffin, Monty Kiffin, Pete Carroll kind of connection, they are just going to have a different level of intel on some of these players. So I think the Sam Williams from Ole Miss might be a guy that kind of checks off a lot of those boxes. You took the quarterback in at the, as Seattle's third pick of this draft, number 41 overall. I took the quarterback one spot ahead and then went with the edge rusher. We just flip-flopped there. But but Sam Williams from Ole Miss is very much like Arnold Ebiketti in that he is just lightning upfield. He is a guy that, like Ebiketti again, is a guy that is still kind of on that career arc where just keeps going up, up, up. And, and that is, again, another kind of player that, that makes so much sense, especially if you were able to bring in a guy like Mario Addison, as we talked about before, that could be that coach on the field. Sam Williams was not an incredibly productive player over his college career, but then this past season, he absolutely popped. He goes to the workouts, and he's absolutely phenomenal with the athletic ability that he presents. He checks an awful lot of Seahawks boxes. So, again, to me, Trevor Penning, Matt Corral, Sam Williams, I just see guys who all of them are kind of on the upswing, and that's why I think that 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 draft class that I'm trying to present here, I think checks some boxes for the Seahawks because they are the kind of players that Seattle has prioritized in the past. Ascending talents. That, to me, is the big thing that the Seahawks have to find in abundance in this draft class. Not only bringing in talented players, but ascending talents that you know are going to improve a lot. And I think so far, both of us have draft classes that would check that off for every player. Because again, 
Ebicady's a little older prospect, but he hasn't been playing football very long. And last year was kind of that coming out party for him at Penn State. I feel like he's a player that still has a lot of growth ahead of him as a football player. And he's got such great physical traits to go with it. I believe with his work ethic that that is a guy that his best football may be in the NFL, not at the college level. We're going to continue our draft. we got one more second-round pick and a third-round selection coming up. We've got a number of choices to make, just like you have to make when you're trying to decide what you're going to have for a pre-workout snack. For me, it's always Built Bar, 100% chocolate, delicious flavors, Built Bar Puffs, if you haven't tried them, you need to. They're like a protein-infused marshmallow, a marshmallow on steroids, covered in 100% chocolate. They come in delicious flavors. My personal favorite, banana cream pie, under 200 calories, less than 5 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. You can also get regular Built Bars, which come in delicious flavors as well. Peanut butter brownie, orange cream, salted caramel. They're coming out with new flavors every single month. So make sure to check out Built.com and see what they're cooking up for the month of April. Go to Built.com and enter in the code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's Built.com with the code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We've got one more selection to make in the second round. And again, we acquired this by trading down with the Washington Commanders. They gave us a great deal to move down just two spots from 9 to 11 in the first round. And we will, and we were able to add pick number 47 in the second round from the Commanders. So we're back on the clock. Our first two picks, we both picked a quarterback in the second round. I got Sam Howell out of North Carolina. You got Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. And we also each selected a pass rusher, Arnold Ebicady out of Penn State for me, Sam Williams out of Ole Miss for you. Might as well call them the Seattle Rebels at this point with all the Ole Miss selections that you've made so far, Rob. Let's get to pick 47 now. Fourth selection in our dual mock draft. You've addressed pass rush, quarterback, tackle. Who are you going with with your third and final second round selection? Well, Corbin, as you said, I mean, I'm being a bit of a rebel here. And so if Seattle is able to acquire a third second round selection and and get a bit of a wild card with that, then I think that you got to roll with the wild card. And again, we are going off of what the draft network has presented to us. I'm not so sure that Iowa State running back Brees Hall is available at number 47 overall. But damn it, if he is available, I'm talking about a first-round caliber running back that falls into your lap when you have Rashad Penny on a one-year deal. You have Chris Carson coming back from a neck injury. You have no idea what he is able to do. He would be the best player available, or at least should be the best player available if he were available. And I look at Brees Hall and I just see a guy who in in a lot of ways reminds me of Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, a couple of years ago, Corbin, you and I, I mean, we talked about Jonathan Taylor as being a guy that would make an awful lot of sense for the CX. Not at all surprised by the fact that he has become one of the best running backs in all of the NFL already in his NFL career. 
I think that Brees Hall is very much on that same track. I do not believe that running back is a huge area of concern, but that would be the wild card factor that Seattle would be affording itself if they were able to make a move down and acquire an extra pick like this. It would give you that element of surprise, that wild card element. So that would be my selection at this point. Best player available happens to be a running back. Brees Hall, running back, Iowa State. Let's go. It's an interesting pick, and I thought about some running backs in this selection myself because, as you mentioned, if you add another second-round pick or even another third-round pick, you get an extra day-two selection. It opens up possibilities for you to pick at positions that might not necessarily be viewed as major needs. But I think even in the short term, with Rashad Penny's injury history, Chris Carson, you mentioned it, coming off neck surgery. We don't even know if he's going to be able to play this year. You've got Travis Homer going to the last year of his rookie deal. They've got some serious question marks there after this season, and extra insurance would not be a bad thing. So I could see Brees Hall making sense. That being said, I want a guy that can smash running backs because number 54 is no longer on defense. Bobby Wagner is playing for the Rams. And that the Seahawks have Jordan Brooks, who's obviously an ascending talent, 184 tackles last year, got an all-pro vote. Looks like he's ready to take the torch from Bobby Wagner. But if you're running a 3-4, you need to have another linebacker that you can partner with, Jordan Brooks. And maybe Cody Barton can still be that guy. But there's a player here at number 47 I just cannot pass up. Coming from the FCS level, you had your small school guy yesterday in Trevor Penning. I've got mine today in Troy Anderson. And I have been fascinated by him as a prospect throughout this draft process because I started going back and wanted to watch tape, and I noticed he was playing quarterback for Montana State. And then he was playing some running back for Montana State, and he's really good. Like, he was a running quarterback, not a guy that's going to throw the ball a lot, but he was an all-big sky performer as an old-school run-first quarterback. He was a fantastic running back. And then, oh, by the way, I'm just going to move to linebacker because I run in the low four fours, and I can get to the football anywhere on the field. And I play with better instincts than you would expect. He showcased at the Senior Bowl. This is a guy that was probably an early to mid-day three pick, and now I expect him to go in round two with his athleticism and just his football skills. And I think you can put him – he could be a Nick Bellor type. You can put him at fullback for some plays and maybe give him the football a few times. He's that kind of an athlete. So I've got to go with Troy Anderson here, a guy that might not be ready to start right away. You can have Cody Barton keep that seat warm. But this is a guy with incredible incredible athleticism. You put him next to Jordan Brooks. I think there is an incredible amount of upside. We talk ascending talents. This kid is the definition of an ascending talent. No, he really is. I mean, I, I love Troy Anderson. I, I think this is a terrific pick. I mean, he is a guy that is very prominent on the Diamonds in the Rough article that I'll be producing for Fox Sports here uh, very, very shortly. Um, Brian, I mean, Troy Anderson, excuse me, is a, a, a just a terrific player. As you mentioned, the experience of quarterback and running back, that's just what a type of dynamic athlete that he was. That year that he played quarterback, he led the team, broke the school record for rushing touchdowns i mean just yeah. an absolutely phenomenal athlete montana state they they recognized what an unbelievable player that he was that's why he played all those different positions this past year he played linebacker defensive player of the year for the entire conference i mean he is just a different level of athlete and 
as you said, I mean, Seattle is going to be transitioning at three, four defense. You need to have linebackers that are not only instinctive, not only athletic, they got to be big enough to be able to hold up at the point of attack, be able to shed blockers and make the play. And at 6'3", 250 pounds with 4'4", speed, that's exactly what Troy Anderson possesses. So, yeah, I, I think that he makes a lot of sense. At the same time, I think the linebacker that I'm going to be selecting here in the third round, and again, this is according to the draft network, and if this player is available in the third round, Channing Tindall from Georgia, I mean, oh my goodness, I think that would be a steal. And so that is the way that I kind of operate off of this is who is available to me the way that every NFL team has to operate. And so, again, if you're talking about speed and athletic ability, uh, producing at the highest possible level for the national champions, Channing Tindall was a player that in a previous mock draft I did uh, for Fox Sports, looking at how Seattle may draft, I had him going 30 selections earlier. So if he is available to Seattle at number 72 overall, to me, it's a slam dunk selection, just like it was with Brees Hall, the running back earlier at number 47. Channing Tindall, inside linebacker, University of Georgia Bulldogs. Well, that was quick. Already getting your 72nd selection in here in the third round. I'm going to wrap up my day three festivities. We've kind of diverged our path a little bit here. You had to go and pick a running back to switch things up a little bit. I'm going back to the offensive line. I've got my left tackle in Charles Cross. Maybe Jake Curhan can be the guy at right tackle, but when I have an opportunity to pick Abraham Lucas out of Washington State, a player who's been getting some buzz as a high second-round pick, even some first-round buzz in some circles, if he's available at 72, this guy is a natural pass protector, and I think he plays with more nastiness than you would anticipate coming from an offense like Washington State where they're throwing the ball around a lot. Two tackles that maybe wouldn't have been fits for the Seahawks in the past, but I, I think that Cross and Lucas both have underrated run-blocking ability. I expect them to be able to adapt, and I think they are both ascending talents coming in as players that have started a lot of games at the college level. I've got myself two foundational starters at the tackle positions to protect whoever's going to be the quarterback and my bevy of running backs. No, I 100% agree with you. Again, I mean, to me, the draft class that I've presented here, I think has a little bit more kind of wow factor. I mean, of course, the, the quarterback like Matt Corral, who has had the success that he has had, you know, kind of talking about the ascending, uh, the play, and then Brees Hall with his production. I mean, there is certainly some wow factor. You have a class that I think has some oomph factor. I mean, the physicality um, and, and guys that I think check off a lot of Seahawks boxes, awful lot of senior bowl standouts there. And, and Abraham Lucas, very much like I mentioned with Channing Tindall and, and previously at Brees Hall, I just do not necessarily expect uh, you know Abraham Lucas to be available at this point in the draft. But if he is, then sure. I mean, this is a superstar player. I mean, this is, and I, with all due respect to Jake Curran, I think that Abraham Lucas is going to wind up becoming a better player. And, and so I agree. I think that this is the type of a selection that Seattle would make if they had these extra picks, as we talked about with the trade down from Washington, as projected um, with our draft network mock draft. Yeah, I think if I didn't have that extra pick where I could go out and get the linebacker like I did with Troy Anderson, I'd probably go linebacker like you did here with pick 72. But that extra pick, it gives you flexibility to address other positions. In this case, I can get two tackles. The Seahawks have only three of them on the roster right now, but I get 
my future starter at left tackle, my future starter at right tackle, maybe immediate starters. That would be awesome if they're both ready to go for the start of the rookie seasons and you have those foundational pieces on your offensive line. We're going to have a chance as this week winds down to revisit these first three rounds. In fact, our good friend Nick Lee is going to be grading our first three rounds of selections. And then early next week, we will get to our day three festivities. We've still got five picks to make in the fourth through the seventh round as we continue our annual dual mock draft here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out the Locked on Seahawks podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be riding solo Going to be answering your questions in our weekly mailbag segment and taking a look at the previous times the Seahawks have had three or more top 75 selections under John Schneider and Pete Carroll. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.